welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. Today on Here to Thrive, I'm honored to have Cassandra Bodzak with us as our guest. She's a healthy living expert, a certified health and wellness coach, a meditation teacher, and a cooking extraordinaire. She's also the founder of Apricity, which is an online mind, body, and soul community for recharging your inner light. Her work focuses on people feeling good from the inside out, which I am wholeheartedly on board with. She helps people live their happiest and healthiest lives through taking care of their bodies and nourishing their souls. She was on ABC's The Taste and is a regular contributor to Shape Magazine. She's also the author of a soon-to-be-released cookbook and self-care guide called Eat With Intention, Recipes and Meditations for a Life That Lights You Up. I am so looking forward to talking with her today and learning more about her, her work, and her new book, Eat With Intention. So stay tuned. Welcome, Cassandra. I am so happy to have you on the Here to Thrive podcast with me today. I've just done a little introduction to tell everybody about you and all of the wonderful things you do. Um, now, I know you teach others about how to live the happiest and healthiest versions of their own lives, but I know that that hasn't always been the reality for you. I've read some of your stuff and watched some of your videos, and I know that you haven't always loved your body, and I know a lot of other women also struggle around this. Could you talk to us about your journey with your body in particular and what your relationship used to be like and how you've healed that relationship? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Kate, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, and yes, I haven't, uh, far, I far from loved my body. Um, I remember going back as far as honestly, kindergarten, um, when I first remember getting weighed at school and I really think I weighed maybe like 50 pounds or something. It was something ridiculous now. Um, but I remember getting that number and feeling like it, it was wrong, you know, like it made me bad. And I remember comparing that number to other, you know, my friends in my little kindergarten class or whatever grade it was. Um, and being, you know, weighing more than them, you know, where at the time, I mean, I've always been kind of like a beanpole of a person. Like I was always the tallest person in my class. But, you know, when you're little, you don't really take into consideration that being taller than people might also make you way more than them. But I just kind of got molded on my psyche in some way that this was a, like a defect and I had to fix it. So from a very young age, I started being really conscious about food um, and I was probably kind of like a super annoying child because I was one of those kids where, you know, I remember when, you know, when they taught you in like health class, like this is good, this is bad. 
And I'd like go home to my mom and be like, that's bad. Why do we have it? You know, and she'd be like, it's okay to have it sometimes. Like, it's not okay. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I totally, I feel you on that because I, I describe it as a sensitive child. Like I would pick up information from my environment and just take it on wholeheartedly. So yeah. I understand being that child. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah. So growing up, I just always wanted to lose weight. And once I got a little bit older and got a little bit quote unquote savvier to ways to do that, um, I started uh, running on the treadmill. I would run around my block. I would do like tie bow exercise videos in my bedroom. Um, I would try every different natural supplement that I could get my hands on at GNC pretty much you know, anything that was like, I remember taking like papaya extract and oat bran and apple cider and like, you know, a whole cocktail of like random things that, you know, I thought might do something. Um, and then as I got older, I escalated to uh, more dangerous diet pills and, you know, went to that and, you know, started working out a lot more. And I was always kind of in this like push pull relationship with my body on the outside. I always looked normal. You know, I never looked anorexic and I never, you know, I never looked overweight either. I just looked normal. Um, So I think in a way that was almost the the most dangerous aspect of it was because nobody even really thought anything was wrong. Um, And then it kind of came to a hit, you know, it's full hilt in college because I was an acting major at the time and there was so much pressure to have a certain body. And I remember, you know, there I am, I'm like, I'm 5'8", and, you know, maybe I was like 125, 130 pounds. And they point, they pointed, actually pointed me out as an example of what a voluptuous woman looks like. And now, um, to this day, like, I am proud to have some womanly curves. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad that I have some boobs and a butt. And, you know, I think having a voluptuous body is beautiful. I would not describe myself as voluptuous. <laughs> um, and I certainly wouldn't describe myself as voluptuous back then either. But, um, but that just kind of gives you a frame of mind for like what was going on. And so a lot of us in the program were really like, struggling and with acting and I think with all sorts of forms of eating disordered or disordered thoughts we kind of feel like we don't have control over certain aspects of our lives so it's easy for us to think that we have control over our body or even or be frustrated because we're like this is the one thing I can change this is the one thing I can fix and I can't fix x in the external world um so for me that was acting you know I I thought that if I was skinnier, somehow that would equate to me being more successful. Um, and my body eventually just hit a rock bottom. And I kind of called it divine intervention because it was pretty, I really think it was miraculous how it happened. Um, my senior year, all of a sudden I started getting these like debilitating stomach pains and I could barely walk. I was, uh, I would take a bunch of dance classes. I was also choreographing at the time. All of a sudden I couldn't dance. And that was like really like devastating. I was, wasn't someone that would like wimp out of dance class. And so my dance teacher was actually the one that finally got me to go to uh, the infirmary and like get some help because she knew that something was really up if I was like not able to move. And 
so I went and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. They did all these tests. They're like, you're fine. And I'm like, I'm not fine. I can barely walk sometimes. <laughs> What's going on? And I had an, a nurse who I lovingly referred to as an angel uh, catch me on the way out. And she asked me what was going on because I was frustrated and upset and like just <laughs> probably like stomping my way out. And I told her what was going on. And I was like, nobody knows what's wrong with me and I'm still in pain. And, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and she was like, have you ever thought about food allergies? And, and that kind of opened up this whole new world to me where I had honestly, you know, this was back in like 2008 when it wasn't hot or trendy to be gluten free or vegan or not eat dairy, at least not, not in my circles at the time. And, uh, so I like went to the library and looked up books <laughs> and I read a bunch of books and I decided to put myself on an elimination diet of my own creation. Um, and just eliminated all the things that I thought made sense that might be bothering me. Um, and, uh, traditional elimination diets don't eliminate meat, but I had just a strong sense that I needed to eliminate that at the time. So I did, I eliminated pretty much, you know, meat, gluten, dairy, um, so I think that's, that was most of it, meat, gluten, dairy. And um, literally within three days, I was like a new human being. And I felt like better than I had even felt before the stomach pains. And that whole process really kind of was a beautiful catalyst for switching how I looked at my body. It definitely didn't heal it off like totally, but it got me to shift from you know, seeing my body as the enemy to seeing my body as something that I wanted to take care of and I wanted to nurture and I wanted to make sure it was okay. Um, and that was a huge, huge step for me because I think I spent most of my life seeing it as like this thing I was working against to try to fix or change. Um, and being in that pain and in that circumstance um, made me really think, hey, you know, I, I just want, I'm just grateful to feel good. Yeah. I'm grateful to wake up and have energy and be able to do the things I love to do. Um, and that was big for me. And it's been, you know, it's been a journey since then. There's been many things along the way um, I go into in the book as well, like having more gratitude for my body on a daily basis, really releasing the negative self-talk, being able to call it, call it out when it comes up. Um, and most, you know, I think, most prominently that's still such a big thing today is just being in a constant conversation with it, you know, treating your body as like a running buddy for this lifetime because it is. <laughs> such a good way to look at it. I love that. A running buddy. That is, mm -hmm. that is so cool. You mentioned your book there, Eat With Intention. Um, I loved it. I was lucky enough to have a sneak peek uh, because we were doing this interview and it is amazing. It really is. Uh, I'm really excited about getting my copy in the mail. Um, in that book, Eat With Intention, you talk about the well-being trifecta, which I love. It's very in line with what I also teach. And I think this is the bit that makes your book, Eat With Intention, so much different from a cookbook. It really extends the ideas. Can you touch on the components of the well-being trifecta and why you believe they're all so important? Yes. So the well-being trifecta is such, you know, for me, that was like central to my whole mission. It's you know, it's food, meditation, and self-care. And that's what the book is really all 
centered on because, you know, when I first got the book deal, I was like, this is, I'm not doing a cookbook. You know, this is my kind of cookbook. And for every recipe, there is a meditation and a mantra. And it's just as much a lifestyle manual for healing your relationship with your body um, and tapping into that intuition as it has recipes, you know. Um, and so, yeah, so that that was, you know, for me, what I really discovered was that, you know, food was the first piece of my puzzle that came in through that first experience. Um and then meditation and self-care were second. And self-care probably came before meditation, really learning that, you know, I had to take the time to nourish myself, to have, you know, before I meditated, I was always a big journaler. Um, I would listen to music. I would write poems. And I would cook even, you know, just the act of cooking was like a meditation for me. And then the, when the meditation part came in, it just changed my whole life. And I really realized that you need all three. And I see so many people that I work with and that are my friends who have one or two of them down pat. Um, but there's, you know, th there's a really genuine gap if you're not really working with all three. Because you can be eating all the right foods, and there are many people, I think that all of us know, that eat all the right foods, right? But are probably total, like, you know, anxiety cases, like, totally, you know, like, freaking out about everything, um, and stressed or whatnot, not taking time for themselves, giving to everyone else, um, and they're not the happiest, they're not living to their, you know, highest, um, level of, you know, when I say highest level, I was, I think expansive, like what, you know, what's your juiciest life? What's like a life you wake up and, you know, we're all human. So you're not going to be like happy and peppy and whatever every day, but you know, we're where that's your default. And then every once in a while, when like life hands you some lemons, you cry it out and you, you know, do what you got to do. But like, you know, where that's your default and same thing with meditation, I find, and, you know, some meditations, meditation teachers might totally disagree with this. I mean, I remember I went to a meditation class once and the meditation teacher was like, I don't care if you like eat steak and smoke a chain smoke cigarettes and drink scotch and like all this stuff. Like you could like you should still meditate or whatever. <laughs> in my head, I was like, well, I mean, I mean it, you know, meditating is a start <laughs> um, for sure. I wouldn't tell you not to meditate until you cleaned up your diet. But I'd be absolutely lying if I said that your diet doesn't have a tremendous effect on how deep your meditations are and how effective you are at, are at connecting with your body. I, I love your well-being trifecta. And I think one of the reasons I'm so drawn to you is I said your teachings are very in line with mine, but I don't do the food stuff. And so for me, I feel personally like I have the meditation and I have the self-care stuff going on. I definitely started with self-care and moved on to meditation. And the part of my life that I'm developing right now is totally around my diet. So yeah. it's really interesting that you talk about those three spaces or three spheres and how you started with food. Whereas for me, I think food is the last piece of the trifecta that's sort of drawing me in but I would totally agree with you and I think it's interesting to hear you talk about the path and how it's different for all of us and I think I'm a prime example of how you can start in a different place and it's about following what does sort of light you up and calls you first if you absolutely like. yeah yeah and I think it's really 
yeah, getting, getting whatever foundation you have going now and then it opens it up. You know, I think I really believe that if I hadn't had that food piece first then I might not have even opened up to the meditation, you know, and vice versa. You know, I think a lot of people who start with the meditation and start with the self care, they get to a point where, because they're raising their consciousness around every other aspect of their life, they're like, Oh my gosh, wow. I actually, I need to take care of this food stuff that I'm actually having, you know, emotional behaviors and autopilot behaviors and, or, you know, not fully showing up and being present for that nourishment and that, that conversation. Is, that is 100% where I have been. And for me, it's meant um, I'm moving towards a pescatarian diet at the moment. Who knows where that will take me next? <laughs> but um, like you said, it's not necessarily the giving up meat, but for me, that was a personal a personal nudge from inside that I had that it wasn't right for my body either. So that's really, I just, I'm fascinated to hear you talk about it. Yeah. And I think that is, I know, I know I try not to preach a certain diet because I really preach just listening to your body and we're all, you know, at different places and in our journey. And it's not about making yourself or anybody wrong for their food choices, right? It's more just being conscious about your food choices. Um, so if you want to have that like double chocolate cake or whatever for dinner, just like choose it. I love that. Choose, choose it. it. And, yeah, Commit choose to it, it wholeheartedly. <laughs> right? Be like, this is what I want to do right now. And and hopefully, you know, be, you know, be choosing that from a place that's not like I've had a terrible day and I want to put my face in chocolate cake right now. Um, that's mostly what I'm really concerned about. And then I think kind of like you said, and, and in my case as well, once you start opening up that conversation and showing up and being more present to your food choices, you notice things just fall away. You know, you notice that you're not even, you know, people, I still get my, I come from a very conventional family. So, you know, my parents, it's been like 10 years now that I haven't had meat and my parents will still like every holiday be like, you sure? I mean, it's just chicken cat. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't like for me, like chicken is not even appetizing, Yeah, you know, like I'm not offended by anybody else consuming it near me, (laughs) but it's just not like it doesn't even register. And I think that's when, you know, like you're ready to really release something. And I think we have that around different, different substances, you know, I mean, you might go through your life, but you're like a chocolate chip cookie fiend. And then all of a sudden you kind of get to this point and you're like, you know, I don't like, I don't really feel aligned with that, like two chocolate cookie a day habit I've been <laughs> doing. Um, I'm going to release that. I think I'm going to release that. And I think when you come at it from that gentle, soft place of just listening to what your body wants, then it doesn't feel, res- it's not restricted. I agree. It's, it's just an open conversation and it's an open dialogue. And it's, you know, I always like to say, I know this drives some people crazy, but you know, nothing has to be forever. And as someone that comes from a very restricting background with like disordered behaviors, that is like the key to freedom for me is to know like today I can say no to chocolate cake and today I can say no to a cheeseburger or whatever it might be. Um, And I can just keep on showing up on a day-to-day basis and not having the things I don't feel called to have. But I don't ever need to put this big label on it that, like, I can never have a piece of chocolate cake again or whatever the the thing is, you know. Um, And I think that's uh, giving yourself, in my opinion, it's like showing up and giving yourself and your body respect. 
just saying, I respect that you're, you can make that choice day after day. And I don't need to kind of put some rules or regulations around you. I love that. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that wholeheartedly. So just flicking through the pages of Eat With Intention, there are some amazing plant-based recipes in there. It got my mouth watering. I'm, like I said, really excited to get it in my hot little hands so I can start cooking (laughs) from it. I think your veggie chili is going to be my very first creation. (laughs) I am so ready to create that for winter. I'm like, oh. Um, Why has it worked so well for you, the plant-based thing. I mean, we've touched on this a little bit, but how do you think other people can benefit from adding more plant-based food to their diet? What do you, what would you see as the benefits for people who are perhaps new to that kind of idea? And like you said, it's not necessarily about cutting out meat or, or being really restrictive, but I guess just adding more of a plant-based philosophy to the way they eat. Yeah. Um, you know, I love that Michael Pollan quote, you know, eat food, mostly plants. <laughs> and I think we've forgotten that a lot in, um, you know, our world today. We see, you know, this kind of like protein, 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 which I think is, you know, really a disservice to the masses and very, you know, unresearched and not, you know, terribly valid. You know, it's not. And here's the thing, you get tons of protein from like broccoli and vegetables and beans and there's like plenty of uh, ways to get protein. But um, but we've forgotten about vegetables, I think, for a large part. And so my goal with the recipes was really to open people up regardless of where they're at with their food choices and to show them how delicious eating vegetables can be again. Um, because, you know, when you're eating fruits and vegetables, you're eating you know, the most nutrient dense sources of food on the planet. And, you know, even if you, you know, eat, just add more fruits and vegetables, you know, back in the day when I was right now, my, the coaching that I do with people is mostly spiritual coaching and and healing their relationship with their body, but getting them on track in their spiritual transformation and whatnot. But back, back in the day, when I first started out, I would do lots of nutrition coaching and, one of the first things I would tell people is just make half of your half of every plate vegetables and just make half of every plate vegetables. That is literally the most like basic, healthiest, like simple way to lose weight, feel better, have more energy. I think it's such a great point. And, you know, and Eat With Intention is a book where you can be excited about the, the plant-based stuff you're eating because it's not boring. All of your suggestions are there in there are exciting and look so good. Um, the, the pictures <laughs> and the book itself is beautiful. Um, so I know for some people, they're like, well, half a plate. That seems like a lot because <laughs> I know seriously, I go to the supermarket in Texas. I live in Houston. It blows my mind, oh, the oh size of God. some of those steaks oh. in there. I've never seen anything like it. So they take up a whole plate by themselves. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but talking about like, I think some people think the vegetables are boring. And what I love about this book is you prove that they don't have to be. They don't. And for me, I, you know, for those people, I will say like when I first got sick, um, and wasn't feeling well and then had to go out, like was going on this elimination diet. I mean, I went from being like a cheeseburger milkshake kind of girl, like chicken wings, like you name it. Like I was not, you know, anywhere despite like, you know, having my disordered behaviors. I still like when I was like binging was like going for, going for the stuff. Um, 
So I was really kind of tortured by, you know, this, you know, new lifestyle in the beginning. And I was like, I don't know how to cook vegetables. I don't even like vegetables. I kind of like broccoli, but mostly when it has cheese on it. And like, I don't know what to do. Um, And so I feel you. And I want you to know that I get it. And a lot of that is, you know, it's how you were raised. It's the culture around you, you know. It's what's out there. You know, you go to so many restaurants and everything is like meat with like maybe a little bit of vegetables if you're lucky, but usually with like potatoes or something, you know. And um, and so, yeah, I would take it on as just like a fun experiment. So that's really what I ended up having to do. And for me, it was a little bit more like pertinent because it was for my well-being. But I mean, it's really for everyone's well-being. Um, what I would do is I would go get a vegetable and I would buy like three servings of the vegetable at the supermarket and I would try to cook it in like all different ways. So I'd be like, okay, how does this taste if I roasted it? Like, what if I do it if I like saute it with some oil? Like, how, what if I like put some, you know, spices on it? And, um, you know, we're so lucky right now, especially because you have books like Eat With Intention. You have like tons of uh, websites with different recipes and stuff. And there's no excuse to not have more fun with it. I think variety is like the ultimate key to our, like our diet and our life is spicing things up constantly and always mixing it up. Our body craves so many different things. So at the, the very least of it is, you know, maybe spice up the mundaneness of, of what you're eating on a consistent basis and say, okay, you know, today I'm going to work in a, a breakfast and, and try one of the breakfasts from the book or, you know, today I'm going to um, try to add broccoli to whatever I was going to make for dinner or, you know, make up a salad. And, and I think when we approach it from a more fun, creative place, it becomes more fun. Yeah. You know, it becomes more enjoyable when it's really just like, you know, there are going to be times when you make something and you're like, wow, don't like this. You know, I, that just gets going to happen and that's okay. You don't have to like everything, but if you really try and you really play around with things, you know, I went throughout the first half of my life hating Brussels sprouts because my mom would always steam or boil Brussels sprouts and it was disgusting. And then I was like, I don't even know if I want to touch these guys again. Like, I don't know if I can do it. And so I got some Brussels sprouts and I was like, I'm going to hate these. And I cut them up and I roasted them because I generally like roasted vegetables. And then I tried another thing where I like sauteed them and put a little mustard and some other seasonings in it and whatnot. And now I'm obsessed with Brussels sprouts. Like I eat Brussels sprouts like all the time. I love Brussels sprouts. Um, and there are other things like roasted tomatoes that I just don't care for. And that's Okay. And, but I think it's like just approaching and trying everything and, and being willing to be flexible and, and experiment that can be a fun, it can be a fun endeavor. You know, there are so many beautiful, you know, things out there food wise for us to play with and so many different, you know, beautiful vegetables and fruits to incorporate and try in our lifetime. Like why not have fun with it? Why not incorporate that? Um, you know, get those nutrients. And I think if you make a, a conscious effort about it and really add in a significant amount of vegetables, you're going to find your, you're feeling fuller, faster. You have more energy. You'll probably be 
more clear headed. Uh, vegetables are very alkalizing to our body. And especially if you're eating lots of animal products or drinking a lot of coffee or very stressed, your body gets into an acidic state. And, you know, the acidic states, that's when you get sick. That's when you get cancer. That's when, you know, all these things can kind of kind of breed. It's like this breeding ground. And when we're able to balance out our pH levels of our body and we eat enough vegetables and we're drinking green juice and we're, you know, keeping our stress levels down with meditation and self-care, you know, that's when you start noticing that you get sick less, Yeah. Um, you know, and you have more energy and your meditations are more powerful and your thoughts are clear and all of a sudden you're able to focus throughout the day. So it's one of those things that I, I really, I really recommend like going ham on it for a couple of weeks and allowing yourself to see how, you know, how different it is. It's so funny that you mentioned Brussels sprouts, because I swear there's like a whole generation of us that have like an aversion to Brussels sprouts. And I actually made a salad the other day with raw Brussels sprouts, and it was so delicious. And my husband ate it because it had some other, I can't even remember what the other pieces were in it, but um, oh, it had apple and tarragon in there as well. And um, my husband ate it and said, that salad was delicious. And I said, it was all but Brussels sprouts. And he was like, what? It was such a funny thing. He couldn't believe it. He was like, he, and I was like, no, the entire base of that salad was Brussels sprouts. And he was so funny. So yeah, even it. raw Brussels sprouts are delicious. Yeah. Um, so talking about eat, eat with intention, you mentioned it a little bit. There's juices in there. There's breakfast. There's lunch, dinner, snacks, sweets. There's You've covered everything. What are a few of your favorite recipes in the book? Do you have favorites or do you equally love them all? <laughs> I mean, I feel, I do love them all. For them to make the book, um, I had to love them. But um, I'm trying to think of the top of my head what my fave faves are. I think um, I'll skip straight to desserts. And <laughs> my favorite there are these uh, little key lime pies. I'm a big key lime pie fan. Um, and those are really delicious and decadent. Um, there's also mini cheesecakes in there that I, I really love. And um, and the chocolate chip, that the chocolate, it's like double chocolate cupcakes. Um, those are like the crowd-pleasing favorite, but I've had them so many times at this point that I'm like old hat. Yeah, yeah the crowd-pleasing. Um, <laughs> I love it. Buying your way into other people's hearts. (laughs) Right? I know how to do it with food. Um, For me, I really love, there's a really simple recipe in the breakfast section called the veggie scramble. Um, And for me, like I would, I go through phases where I really want a heartier breakfast. And uh, so for me, that's one of my favorite. It's like roasted potatoes with turmeric and other spices. And it's uh, scrambled tofu and uh, all sorts of roasted vegetables. And for me, that's like, you know, when it's like a little bit colder, you know, I'm just in the mood for something more grounding. I really love that. And um, there is a, a cauliflower apple cauliflower rosemary apple soup recipe in there that is I love it especially you know around like the fall um your soups looked so delicious all of them that whole (laughs) section I was like oh my gosh I cannot wait I'm I'm definitely a soup fan wow Um, so yeah I loved all the soups I, I mean I really I do I love every recipe in the book and for me it was really 
when I was putting together the recipes for the book, at first I went into like a more like weird creative place where I wanted to do something a little bit more experimental and like play around. And then I really realized that I just wanted, I wanted the recipes in this book to be like hearty, delicious, like good starter recipes. Um, I wanted to make sure that everything felt very attainable for someone that was just starting out in the kitchen, um, that they were things that were reminiscent of things that they love. Like there's a creamy tomato soup recipe in the book, which is actually probably one of my favorites now that I think about it, because growing up, my favorite, 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 favorite thing was tomato soup. And it was creamy tomato soup. And so when I stopped being able to have dairy, I like longed for tomato soup <laughs> And it really wasn't, and I th I've thought about it over the years, and there's nothing like really, you know, I've tried different brands and stuff like that, and nothing's really hit the spot. And when I was doing this book, I was like, I have to make a creamy tomato soup. And it came out so good that I'm like, I'm obsessed with it. Uh <laughs> the soups, yeah, yeah I, I, those soups did look like, oh my gosh, <laughs> they did look amazing. I will have to try the creamy tomato soup. <laughs> So in talking a little bit, coming back and talking a little bit more about the well-being trifecta, being, that being an integral part of your philosophy, can you talk about the importance of self-care a little bit more and what it looks like for you? Oh, yes. So I think more important than ever these days, and especially for women, um, self-care is huge. We're not huge. very good at it. <laughs> no. No, innately we're not, honestly. <laughs> but... It's funny because it's almost like, and this is just coming to me as we're talking about it. It's almost like the, um, like the mother versus like the seductress vibe. I want to say, right, where like the mothering vibe is to kind of feel like you have to give to everybody else and like not take anything for yourself, and everybody else comes first, and you have to handle everybody else. And then the seductress vibe is like super decadent and like indulgent and like all about her. And I think it's really about balancing it. And we kind of feel like for whatever reason, we're being like, quote unquote, like better people or whatever, being more in the mother energy. When in reality, very much, you know, our feminine and our feminine well-being overall depends on us having equal parts of that really like sexy, seductress feminine. Like we crave as women and Men also have this this as well, but I feel like we're probably talking to a lot of women. We are. My audience is mainly women. Okay. Um, our body actually, you know, produces our, you know, our feminine hormones better when we have more time like that. When we're So to break that down, what it looks like is taking time for yourself in whatever way appeals to you. So... That can be anything for, for me, it's really a range of stuff. It's, you know, everything from taking a nice walk in the morning with like a cup of tea and just allowing myself some space and giving that to myself before I like jump into the chaos of the day or like jump on back to back calls or emails. Um, and then it's also in the evening where, you know, I'm primarily in more of a masculine giving energy during the day for work. And then in the evening, you know, it is like all the lights are out after sunset. You know, I have like either very dim lights or candlelight in the house. Um, it's really, you know, for me, sometimes it's, 
you know, taking a shower, literally slipping into like a silk robe and like a nightgown um, and giving myself that kind of juicy time where I, you know, I take a bath, I take an Epsom salt bath um, and read a book and I light the candles. Um, and I mean, I have um, I have a boyfriend, so he's here too, but he appreciates that and he knows that, you know, I need that and that's what makes me, and I think that gets tricky sometimes, um, asking for that time for yeah. yourself and scheduling that time for yourself yeah. and saying, hey, babe, love you. I need um, this. Yeah, Love you, but I need this. And, you know, and the thing is, you know, if that is something that comes up for anybody listening, the your man is going to appreciate it so much more <laughs> when you take that 20 minutes to take a nice bath and, you know, put some essential oils in it and read your book and you are in just a more luscious, decadent place for him afterwards. Completely yeah. agree. And I mean, I am a mother. I have two small children and I think self-care became such a big thing for me because I realized how much better a mother I actually was when I I took care of myself and then mm. I had so much more to give my children and my husband and my friends and everything I did when I, w- I was taking care of myself as a priority so I completely agree I think the energy you put out changes when Absolutely. you're filled up yes and that's it when you get to that place where you feel like you're running on nothing Um, and you know, for me, maybe it's that bath and, you know, putting on my robe or whatever it is, but it doesn't have to be that for everyone. You know, self-care can be as simple as, you know, you know, taking a nice walk under the stars or, you know, going to your favorite cafe to read a book for like an hour in an afternoon, you know, just doing something that like read whatever it is that recharges you that like, we all need alone time. Absolutely. I agree. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be like copious amounts. I understand we all have crazy schedules, but I think, you know, I've definitely seen that in my business that when I'm not giving myself that self-care, everything starts breaking down. Yeah, I'm not showing up. Like I'm not answering emails as best I could. I'm not, my creativity is not there. I'm not showing up for my relationships. Um, And just like you said, it's like when we take that time and I really encourage people in the beginning to schedule it in you know schedule it in look at your schedule you know when are the kids asleep when does your you know maybe husband have a late meeting when is the time when like he's gonna watch the football game anyway so you can watch you know you can go into your room and like take a bath or whatever and in the beginning it I think it's easier if you really look at your schedule and say okay when would it be convenient to like sneak a couple hours during the week um, and then schedule it in and pencil it in like a date with yourself um, so that you actually show up for it. Because if you're not in the habit of doing it, it's the easiest thing in the world to like put off and not do. I think that is amazing practical advice to really start with the scheduling. I think that's, yeah, really good. So talking about the third part of the well-being trifecta being meditation, I love that on your website, you say that in one of the darkest periods of your life, you found meditation, but you found it via your laptop, not some (laughs) fancy retreat or expensive teacher, which I love because I think so many people feel like meditation is this huge, overwhelming thing that they don't know where to start with it, that you need to go on a week long retreat to learn. So I think your story is really empowering because you didn't do any of that. So can you talk to us a little bit more about how you did find meditation and how you really got started with it? Yeah. 
Um, so I had kind of flirted with meditation for a while. I was, you know, a yoga student. I did lots of like chakra balancing and stuff like that kind of throughout my acting days, but I never had a consistent meditation practice, never really meditated on my own. And then when kind of the ish hit the fan and I was really down on my knees and in like a really, you know, bad space, it, I, you know, I really, I prayed for help and, and I really heard like, try meditating. It's like, oh gosh. And it's like, you know, I don't know if I can meditate now, like with this, you know? And so it was really, um, yeah, it was, it was literally me waking up the next morning after like crying all night and going on my laptop and being like guided meditation to release negative thoughts or whatever, something like that. And I just entered it with abandon. (laughs) And, uh, it was one of those things that I threw myself into and kind of like with the vegetables. Now that I think about it, I've never made this connection, but kind of like with the vegetables where I just went out and I was like, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to go grab this vegetable and like give it a whirl and try a few different things and see if any of them remotely are appetizing. Uh, similar with meditation where I was in such a sad, dark place that I meditated like five, six times a day. And I would just go through all the different meditations on YouTube. And I tried everything from guided visualizations to different mantra things that I found on YouTube to Kundalini, um, all different kinds of, you know, I found A Course in Miracles during that time and those meditations. And so I really just tried the whole buffet. (laughs) And that's kind of how I found my style and I found, you know, what worked for me. But I mean, I spent uh, quite a lot of time meditating before I ever went to a formal class or meditated, you know, with someone else or, you know, it was actually only recently that uh, my friend Charlie Knowles does Vedic meditation and we were at a uh, retreat together called Revitalize with a bunch of other like wellness people and he was just offering up and I was like okay so I like went and I like took his like Vedic meditation class but he's like the most like probably you know I'm a teacher of kundalini yoga um, and meditation so I went and got certified in that but that was all really recently like my first like like few years of meditating was just deep 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 practice um and really being willing to show up and like follow the threads and saying, Hey, you know, I looked up this interesting Abraham Hicks meditation this morning. And I really liked that. Like, let me look up Abraham Hicks. Let me read about that. Let me buy that book. You know, it was, there was little, lots of that kind of stuff where I kind of just took the initiative and really loved it. And I just really went down that rabbit hole and just like with different vegetables, there are definitely meditations that I tried that I was like, Oh, not for me. Um, (laughs) You know? And uh, I think that's fine. And I probably now would go back and probably even like them at this point in the game. But uh, in the beginning, it was really much an exploratory process. And I'm a big, you know, I really consider myself more of that kind of a teacher too with, you know, putting out lots of meditations on YouTube and and different, you know, kind of videos on YouTube with advice. And now with Appreciate, you know, having things that are like super affordable and super accessible. um, That's a big part of my mission in life. Can you talk to us a little bit more about Appreciate? 
Yeah, so appreciative is kind of like my, I feel like it's like my life child. <laughs> um, it's something that I've been working on for a while. And I'm so excited for it that it's finally live for the past two months and it's doing really well. Um, it's an online mind, body, soul support community. So it's a place where you can go to recharge your inner light, to have a community to interact with and to also get that, you know, that space, you know, where you feel like you're being held, held by like a guide or a mentor. So that breaks down to having two live intensive online coaching sessions with me a month, a live Q and a call where people can, you know, ask me whatever they want. And the members even like, like to share stories with each other. And it's always super sweet. Um, and we have a forum where people talk about their ahas when they're having trouble and they need support, like something that's like just blocking them. Um, something about like, I need, you know, more accountability with my meditation practice, anything like that, where they can really reach out and meet other women who are also, you know, on the path and, I really thought of the idea because so many of my clients are from all around the world and I have clients in Saudi Arabia and Spain and England and Australia, like all over. And a lot of these women, their like deepest desire was to find community. And we're so lucky in, you know, different pockets of the United States that this has become more of a thing. Um, and of course, different pockets of Australia and all over it, there's the pockets, but there's so many people that are not in those pockets. Um, that I really want to connect with people. And, and so it's been so heartwarming to see the women making friends and like taking it out of patient day and like having Skype tea dates. And like, that's what I want. Like that is my goal. Um, and it, of course it also has a bunch of resources. So it has a meditation library, recipe library, and it has a library of all my workshops. Um, yeah. And, uh, it's $25 a month. And that is kind of, that was my dream. My dream was to be able to create something like that because that was something I would have killed for back in the day um, when I was YouTube searching. <laughs> I will be putting the links to Appreciate and as well as Cassandra's website and her book, Eat With Intention. So you're not going to lose any of that. That will be in the show notes um, so that people can find that if they want to go looking. Yeah. And I'll give you guys a, I'll give you guys a week free trial. So if you want to like come and check it out and see what it's all about before you commit, you do that. (laughs) That is wonderful. Thank you so much. So I ask a set of questions to all of my interviewees on Here to Thrive and you're no exception. I'm going to throw them at you as well. So these are a little bit more quick fire. So um, (laughs) sit tight and get ready. So, Cassandra, are you a morning person or a night person? I'm a night person. I am so a night person. I'm so happy to hear you say that. I've had some morning people on the on the um on the podcast, and I just can't understand them. <laughs> I try. I try to be a morning person. I do wake up early, but I, you know, I'm really a night person. So you feel like most alive and most productive in the later hours. I feel you. Absolutely. What is currently sitting on your nightstand next to your bed? <laughs> Um, I have like five different candles on my nightstand. <laughs> that would be consistent with the candlelight. Cool. I'm very, yeah, I'm a big candle person. There is a, these, these beautiful white mala beads that someone sent me, um, on my nightstand right now. And, um, I have a book that, um, I just started reading, uh, last night, which is called, uh, Assertiveness for Earth Angels by Doreen Virtue. 
Cool. So we talked about self-care. What is your mm-hmm. favorite self-care activity? If you had to choose one, do you have one favorite? I know you've spoken about a lot of the things you do. Definitely lavender Epsom salt bath. Oh, I love lavender oil. So I feel you on, I'm not much of a bath girl, but lavender is just one of my favorite things. Yes, me too. Oh, do you have a favorite book that you've read over all of these years? Ooh. Yeah, you're like, that's um, really hard, just one. So many books. I'm like a book hoarder. Uh, I'm like that girl that like you can't come over to my apartment without leaving with a book. Because I'm like, you have to read this. Like, would you tell me anything about your life? And um, so I would say Return to Love by Marianne Williamson is probably a book that I've read like more times than I can count. Um, that I constantly, I feel like is like an evergreen companion. Um the War of Art is also a favorite of mine by Stephen Pressfield. Um, and that's been really helpful during my creative endeavors. And it's something that I always find to be uh, inspirational. But yeah, I have, a, I have a lot of books. I love books. <laughs> so do I. I also have a lot. Do you have a favorite mistake or detour in your life when you look back? I mean, mistake's not a great word. More like a detour. Oh, I like this. Oh, um, what's my favorite mistake? <sighs> I mean, I feel like, I mean, it's everything is kind of a detour. Right? <laughs> the detours when, make up our lives, right? Right. When you really think about it, like for me, it was, I mean, I feel like there's so many. <laughs> well, you know, okay. Yes. Favorite mistake. So I was dating a guy and this has literally happened at the same exact time during my dark night of the soul. I was dating this guy. I was 25 and we were dating for like two years and he wouldn't like, he, he was really flaky about commitment. Like he was definitely my boyfriend. He loved me and he showed up and all that stuff, but he would go back and forth with being like, I don't know if I believe in marriage And I don't know if I'm ready to move in and like all this stuff. And like 25 year old me was like in the middle of my quarter life crisis and was like not taking this. And I was freaking out. And, you know, and so eventually I got to the point where like, despite his begging and pleading, I just broke up with him. And I was like, you're not going to give me what I want. And you can't even kind of promise me like half of what I want. Um, And I love you so much. And I like want to marry you. And I want all these things. So I think I need to leave you. And I think now looking back as like older, wiser, more sane me uh, after years of meditation, kind of realize that, you know, that could have been maybe not the most emotionally mature choice uh, to make or, you know, how I handled it. Certainly, you know, how I handled this certainly wasn't emotionally mature. Um, But ultimately when I look back that happened and literally it was a few days later when I found out about my little brother, um, diagnosis, which was really kind of like the, the turning point for my dark night of the soul and like the whole, everything opening up. Um, that night when I found out, I called the boyfriend that I had just broken up with about this and he pretty much told me, um, you know, to, uh, handle it myself in less nicer words (laughs) and he was pretty much like you're on your own you broke up with me and you know like you gotta handle this on your own and I just like you know at that time it was like it was just such a low blow and it blew my mind that someone that could have been so loving to me when I was dealt like the hardest card I've been dealt with yet in life 
um, could just kind of let me, you know, go for it. But I look back on that so much as my favorite mistake slash detour, because if that hadn't have happened, there's no way I would be who I am today. And there's no way I would, I would have, you know, been that sad to like uh-huh. dive into meditating five times a day to, to like it totally that one, you know, that moment. And him that, not like, being you know, there to support you meant you had to support yourself. Yeah. I just and got I, tingles all over my entire body, Cassandra. That is, um, that is a great story. Cassandra also talks about her brother's diagnosis in the book, Eat With Intention. So if you want to know a whole heap more about that and her dark night of the soul, you can read about that and Eat With Intention. You that sad dark night. <laughs> I think it's an important part of your story. We just don't have time to go into it here. It is. It is. It is an important part of our all, all of our story is that turning point. Yeah. What is... Oh, the next question seems so light now after that was, I've just got full body (laughs) tangles. I I was like, I need to recover. (laughs) Okay. What is one thing in your day that you just can't do without? Oh, my meditation. I feel like that's like a cop-out answer, but that's definitely the one. I think it's a good one. It's consistent with everything else you've said. I'll let you get away with it. Okay, here's um, another slightly deep one. Um, how would you describe the soul? Ooh. I would describe the soul as both a like bright golden light and like a warm infinite ocean is my experience of it. Um, it's just unconditional love, really, at the end of the day is what it is. It's just the feeling of unconditional love and the loss of uh, form. Yeah, that's. I like that answer. I like that. <sighs> All righty. So those are the questions. <laughs> I get so excited around those questions every time I ask them. <laughs> You're the first person that's ever asked me about that. I've I'm done a lot of interviews, so I really like that question. It's true. We don't think about that enough. And yeah. It's cool. Alrighty. So um, I frame Here to Thrive as, as quite a practical podcast. I like to give people something that they can take away from each episode and really apply to their own life. And I've been following you for a little while and I was watching one of your episodes of Eat With Intention TV, which is the show Cassandra has on YouTube. So if you want to see Cassandra's pretty face, just type in Cassandra Bodzak or Eat With Intention into YouTube. And in one of the episodes, you talk about the body inventory that you do in the shower. Oh, Um, yeah. I think it's such an incredibly powerful exercise and I thought it would be a good one for you you to share with our listeners so can you just talk us through how to do a body inventory and why you would do one yeah so this is you know when I was healing my relationship to my body and how I still stay in a a space of gratitude around my body um is through a body inventory and what that is is in my way it's kind of like the a very practical way of how to get into a gratitude, a a gratitude state around your body while doing something that you're already doing on a daily basis, hopefully, which is showering. (laughs) Um, so, and if you're not showering every day, then do this outside of the shower, you're getting dressed or something. Um, and, um, 
So pretty much it's just as you're washing yourself in the morning, um, be more intentional about it. And as you, you know, I like to, you know, start with my hands and as you're like washing your hands and I put my hands in like, so I'm like facing my shower. And again, you can make this your own. I'm just like letting you know how I do it. Um, but you know, wash my hands. And I got so grateful for my hands that allow me to hold things that allow me to, you know, hug people and, and, and touch and, and all the wonderful things that my hands allow me to do. I'm, I'm happy that my hands are pain free and that they allow me to write, you know, and then I'll go up to my arms and I'll be like, I'm grateful for my arms. Allow me hold my groceries and that, you know, allow me to do, you know, you know, again, like cuddle with my boyfriend or whatever it is. And every day it's different. And some days it's, you know, you know, more interesting than others, but I just go through each part of my body and really go through and like, you know, your torso, your, you know, I'm grateful for my breasts that are healthy, you know, that are pain free, you know, that will maybe one day, you know, give breast milk to a child, you know, my, my, for me, like the, everything going on, my brother has an illness that affects his liver and his intestines. He doesn't have most of his intestines anymore because of it. And so whenever I'm like washing my stomach, which for me was my number one trigger area, around, you know, around my midsection, I'm just focused so much on how grateful I am to have a working digestive system, to have, you know, to be able to eat food and my body knows how to absorb the the nutrients and knows how to, you know, get rid of things it doesn't want. And um, I've gotten so conscious to what a privilege that is um, with everything. And same thing with my legs and my feet and really going through every... um, every part of your body. And I encourage you even on the areas where you have, you know, maybe there's a little bit of negative self-talk around find, you know, find something that you're proud of in that area. Right. You know, if you're, if it's your hips or your butt or your thighs or your stomach, whatever it is, you know, really go into like, I'm so grateful that I have incredibly strong legs and, you know, my thighs are part of that, you know, and I'm able to, you know, walk up many like flights of stairs when I'm traveling and walk all over when I, whatever, you know, there's always different things. And I think, you know, it's not about, I have a meditation that's a body gratitude meditation with intention, which is a little bit different. And it goes to like the different like systems in the body and all the different like magic and miracles that happen inside your body. So, um, I recommend that if you're having trouble with, uh, going through and doing a body inventory if you're not maybe ready for that. Um, but I think it's a great practice just every day to say, we are so lucky to have fully functioning working bodies. And I think we don't realize that until something goes wrong or something with someone that we love goes wrong. What a privilege that is. So just taking those few minutes every day to say, wow, I woke up this morning. You're still working. Like everything's going well. Yeah, I and- love it. I think it's incredibly <laughs> powerful. And, you know, I think as you talked about at the start of this interview, as women, we often don't have a a loving relationship with our bodies. And I think this exercise is a really practical way that you can deepen the connection and gratitude for your body. Exactly. It just gets you in that state from the beginning of the day. So now you have a a new level of respect for it. Love it. So there's something for you all to try. 
Cassandra, thank you so much for your time today. I've so enjoyed talking to you, but I just want to say, is there anything else you would like the listeners of Here to Thrive to know before we finish up today? Uh, um, you know, I think I always like to leave with the message that, you know, the power is always inside and so much of what I do, um, in all elements of my work, whether it's the book or anything else, um, it's just about reminding people that you have the power inside and it's just about really tapping into it and owning that power and realizing that you do have the beautiful inner wisdom within and you just need to clear the space and show up for it. So I hope that, you know, the tools that you heard today, or if you get the book, I I know that they'll bring you back to that knowing that you've already known all along. (laughs) So in line with what I believe as well, Cassandra. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to your book coming out. It's it's due for release in November. Yeah, November 15th. But you can pre-order it now. So it's at an awesome discounted price, I noticed when I ordered my copy. So you can get onto Amazon or Barnes & Noble and get a pre-order. So you'll get it on the day it's released. I can't wait for mine. Yay! Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. I so loved it. Fun. so enjoyed that conversation with Cassandra. I am 100% behind her mission and the trifecta she talks about really resonates with me. If you enjoyed that conversation too, I'd encourage you to go and pre-order your copy of Eat With Intention. It's available now over at Amazon and you can make sure you get it on release date, which is mid-November. If you're listening after the middle of November, you'll be able to get it pretty quickly. So Cassandra can be found at her website, CassandraBodzak.com. That's Cassandra, B-O-D-Z-A-K.com or Z for the Americans listening. I'll also link to her online community, Apricity, in the show notes. You can find Cassandra on Facebook and Instagram and also on her online TV show on YouTube, Eat With Intention. So like I mentioned, that will all be in the show notes for this episode, or you can jump over to my website, www.thrive.how forward slash podcast 16, and you'll find all the links to Cassandra over there too. Thanks for listening to Here to Thrive. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love if you could go into iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. I'll be back again next week with more tips on how to live a happier life. See you then.